Well, we finally met someone who doesn't like jargon and buzzwords as much as I do. Um, in fact, today's guest has quite a few bones to pick with the more traditional elements of social strategy. And instead, he favours relevance and creativity. So that guest is Daniel Butiel, who is the global head of social media marketing at TikTok. And he previously worked at Adidas and WPP, so only a bit of experience to share. Um, and Daniel says the way that businesses actually communicate with each other internally has a huge impact on the content that you end up putting out there. Yeah, really great guy. And as you've touched on there, the CV is ridiculous. So he's been there, seen it all, and is responsible for some of the biggest things that we see on TikTok to this day. Uh, we covered a variety of things from how to keep content simple and avoid that jargon that Eve very much hates. Um, the myth of the annual strategy playbook and something I'm sure everyone will love to hear, ways to reduce your KPIs and objectives. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. As all of our listeners know, every single week, we start this podcast with an overarching question. And this week, that is, how does the internal communication at TikTok improve its external output? I, I think what's important about any type of strategy is simplicity and, and memorability. I think you can have the best strategy in the world, but if it's complicated and, and difficult to share with your coworkers, it, it won't take you too far. So therefore, the, the, the best strategies are the, one that, the ones that are completely immediately understood. Um, and, and that's actually exactly what we try and do at TikTok. We really try and simplify it down as much as possible. And, and it's really important as a growing organization is that people can quickly ramp up and understand which direction we're going. And, and as well as just simplicity and memorability, I, I definitely subscribe to the belief that you should follow similar marketing science on the inside that you practice on the, on the outside. So like I mentioned, simple, simple and easy to understand language, but also repetition is key. It, it's kind of like if you think about your typical reach and frequency media buy, how are you constantly going back to your team and your organization and anchoring them in, in the why? And in fact, all of my presentations, all of the documents that I create for the team, the first slide or the first page is always our strategy, just making sure that as well as being simple, it's memorable and we're always going in the right direction. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. In terms of that simplicity, for me, brands who keep it simple, or at least it seems that way externally, they always win. And I think, I was trying to think of some examples before, and I think Innocent is one that probably springs to mind. You know, it could get caught up in so much of the, the complexity of socials, but it just seems, their messaging seems so clear. It seems so simple. So why do you think marketers like to lean on industry jargon when usually it only complicates the message? I think there's there's probably two reasons. I, I think actually some of the, the language was born from necessity. So new technology, new marketing application, we just needed words um, to help describe some of these things like conversion or engagement. Mm -hmm. And then actually the, the language was sustained because I, I think it's sometimes helpful to connect cross-functional teams. So if you think about digital marketers, regardless if you're in email or you're in um, mobile or, or social like me, you can kind of understand and wrap your head around conversion. So it just facilitates a common language. Like you mentioned, I think what that does, which is kind of worrying, is it dehumanizes um, what we're trying to do. And it takes you one step further from the customer mm -hmm. and their problems. So, and I think for us as, as marketers, it's important that we're the voice of the customer. And we, we really understand that 
at the end of these feeds or you know these these marketing activities are, are real people scrolling so again there's definitely a need for jargon but um jargon should never come at the cost of really thinking about humans and, and the people we're trying to connect with and build relationships with. I don't know what you guys think about this, but whenever I see marketers using excessive jargon, it often means that they don't know what they're actually trying to yes, say because small. they're unable to break it down in layman's terms. So they'll just go with the buzzword that's widely used. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I can't remember. I think it was Einstein, but I think, you know, Einstein said, if you can explain something simply, then obviously you grasp it. So Again, I think sometimes complicated and technical language may be compensating for a lack of understanding. Uh, but again, like I mentioned, the more that you can simplify and really be clear about what you're talking about, I think the more effective your strategies and communications will be. Yeah. So at, at TikTok, you guys try not to uh, overcomplicate the message um, internally. Yeah, we, we, we really simplify. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's the nature of our business so um the reason why tiktok is is so popular that you know we've connected people by passions and, and interests uh, and that's you know i think that in itself is is pretty simple but we're also a company from a, a business side from an organizational side and from a brand side in in hyper growth so and if you want to get that many people and, and that scale you know you have to really simplify um to make sure that everyone really understands the strategy and can be contributing to it if people are confused or they don't really get it, you're not going to get that additive nature and that growth and that scale. Mm. You guys are in quite a unique position, I'd say, in terms of um, the way you have to speak to both users and businesses and have the quite unique position of having to use your competitors to market yourself. So I'm interested as well, Dan, considering we know that you were at um, Adidas before you joined TikTok. How does it compare selling an app or service like TikTok um, on social compared to like a B2C brand like Adidas in terms of the messaging and comms? Yeah. So, so first of all, shout out Kyle. I know you had Kyle, um, former yeah. colleague and, and teammate of from Adidas on the podcast, or also an incredible human being. Um, but, but to answer your question, I, I think at TikTok, we, we really place an emphasis on relevance. We, we see relevance and entertainment as just extensions of our, of our brand and of our product experience. And, and this is a really important shift because I think social media is, it's, it's all about relevance, right? People go to social media to talk about their day, to share ideas about what's happening in the world and in society. So it, it makes total sense that if you're using that medium, um, you are trying to be as relevant as possible at all times. I, I think sometimes, especially in retail, you can be guilty of being led by sales windows or, or sales peaks, and you kind of forget about um, how you can remain relevant and, and what might be happening in the world of your customers. So for us, uh, you know, as long as we stay relevant and we're always focused on um, what our customer would care about in that moment, um, we see the results follow. And I think, I think, to be honest, that's the reason why we have such great engagement and why our content uh, is so sticky. Mm. Is it a relief not having to worry about pushing like various product launches? And if you're speaking to users, I guess the main objective is downloads. If they're not downloading it already, it's trying to put them to open the app. But you guys get to just highlight the really amazing content that's on the platform. Yeah, I mean, I, I say this to my team uh, all the time. I, I think we have the best job 
uh, in the business. And, and, and actually, we do have product launches. So, you know, we're launching new features. But the fun thing about TikTok is when we're launching a new feature, we, we actually use the feature. Yeah. So if we're promoting long video, we do it with long video. If we're promoting live, we do it with live. So there's an endless, um, there's an endless opportunity of creativity for our marketing. And then, you know, arguably, we, we have the best community and platform right now. So whether that's amplifying uh, the community's creativity or remixing their creativity, we just get to tell great stories that turn into free trials for people that might be interested in TikTok or might have heard about us. And then hopefully, you know, they'll download the app and join the community. Yeah, I think that's a dream, right? Using the product and the product launch to actually launch the product. Yeah, we've done that before because <laughs> people follow us on like social chain channels to find out what updates have happened on social. So it's nice to tell them through that new feature. So I can empathize with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I want to kind of throw back to a point that Eve um, touched on a moment ago in terms of using TikTok on other platforms. I've always found that really interesting that, you know, TikTok would use a competitor to market themselves. I was just wondering if I'm if I'm a startup brand and I'm managing the socials because I've not got the capacity or the budgets and it's kind of like a one man job. If I don't know much about social, I, I presume the first point of call would be to go to the platform I want to launch on and look at their socials on that platform, right? So I'd go, if I want to start my TikTok channel, I'd have a look at TikTok's TikTok. Um, after all, you know, you should know how it's done because it's your platform. But I'd like to know how you would define the culture and purpose of each platform in the marketing mix. So, you know, obviously kind of let's pick, say, I don't know, four of those. And let's, um, let's cover a little bit about, um, yeah, how, you know, what's your reason for being on those platforms, essentially? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. So I'll, I'll obviously start with TikTok. And, and I think you nailed it um, in the question is, for us, you know, our ambition is to be the, the best marketing team on, on TikTok. In, in fact, my challenge to the team is that I want our sales force um, across the world uh, when they're in meetings with clients and the client will always ask the question, you know, show us what good looks like on TikTok. And I'd love it if our sales force can point back to one of our TikTok branded channels yep. on TikTok and say, hey, look, you know, we're doing the best work. And, and I think that's because we, we really believe in the, in the product, the community and, and, and the platform. And if you think about TikTok and, and the role it's playing in, in culture right now, we, we just have you know, the world's greatest word of mouth generator as, as our home core. So all of our campaigns start with TikTok. You know, and, and like I said, whether that's with live or long video or short video or working with the community, we just have this endless opportunity of, of formats to, to play with. So we, we definitely start with TikTok, but you know, we're not naive to know or think that um, culture only takes place on, on, on TikTok. There's incredible platforms out there where people come together to talk about things they care about um, for different instances. Um, Twitter is an incredible place, mm -hmm. um, but especially with football culture. So yep. um, during the Euros, which was one of TikTok's first uh, major brand uh, sponsorships, we really leaned into to Twitter and the real-time nature and really participated from every goal to every incredible moment. We had a really great piece of content, but it always went back to the culture of TikTok because, you know, what we're trying to do is um, promote our community and promote our product. So whilst we were on Twitter, it was unmistakably TikTok and it was, you know, shining and, and taking example from our incredible community and their creativity. Yeah, amazing. And I, I probably would like to touch on um you know when you're saying uh, if you're speaking to clients and 
they ask you, how show me what the best TikTok looks like or the best practice on TikTok looks like. Do you have a piece of content in mind that stands out there where you go, this is TikTok? Yeah, um, good timing because I do. I have a couple actually and two different mediums as well, which is great. So one example recently, you might have seen this, it had a lot of coverage um, across the world, but one of our creators, um, Emily, started to redesign corporate logos. Um, She started with TikTok. um, She she then moved on to Amazon, um, McDonald's. Um, but actually, you know, we we worked with her behind the scenes and we we, we changed all of our profile photos and, and kind of used this incredible logo that she designed. And again, this is just us remixing and, and kind of interacting with the community in, in surprising ways. Um, and, you know, the community loved it. Um, our, our, our fan base loved it. And then press wrote about it. So Nice. Fun piece of content, not necessarily the type of format you'd imagine, but incredible um, talkability and, and shareability. I think I saw that on LinkedIn. They've been coming up on my For You page for weeks. Like, it's unbelievable the amount of uh, like calibre of companies has <laughs> started like commenting and saying, please do mine next. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think, you know, and, and it, it all starts on, on TikTok. It was a, a creator with a unique point of view and uh, she was just doing it for, for fun. And then like I said, the community got involved, um, brands took notice, and, and obviously TikTok helped to, to start that chain reaction. And, and then the other example, which is, is fun, and I hope you saw it on LinkedIn too. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we went live uh, in an empty room with just um, a chair. Uh, and actually, if you're in on the inside joke, one of our TikTok creators basically asked the community to let's replace the, the laughing, crying emoji yeah. with a chair emoji and start a big fun <laughs> joke. If you're on TikTok, you kind of understood it, you know, Mashable wrote about it, you know, it was creating stories across the web and we thought, let's have fun and just create a live with a chair (laughs) and the community loved it, you know, thousands of thousands of chair emojis were shared in the comments. And again, just a fun community moment in a creative and live way. It's mad the effect it like it can have on behavior like that because I was seeing comments for ages of people just like putting loads of chairs on like all sorts of videos. And after a few <laughs> looks, I was I was so confused about what it meant, but it became apparent it was them trying to laugh. And I was like, why are they using a chair as like a laughing emoji? Yeah, I'm like, does it mean like I'm it? pulling up a chair, like I'm listening or yeah. Honestly, I couldn't get to grips with it until I found <laughs> found that live and then finally understood. But I'm sure you guys have so much competition with that much creativity on the platform and yet you've tasked yourselves with doing it the best. And what I think you guys do really well is make immersive content on all platforms that in your own words, Dan, you said you're turning every screen into a free trial of TikTok. So for the brands listening who want to you know, try a little bit of what you guys are doing every day, what would your advice be for creating that immersive content you know, natively for these different platforms? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that there's probably so many different ways out there that you could uh, achieve this result. But one that uh, I think works for us uh, is a simple formula or framework that we consider when we're, when we're thinking about content and we're thinking about storytelling. Uh, and the formula is creativity multiplied by cultural relevance equals attention value exchange. And basically what that means is, uh, you know, we're in the business of earning and, and winning attention, but it should always come with a fair exchange. 
And, and we believe if we're highly creative, so if we do things that our users have never seen before, just great design work or uh, examples of creativity, if we're really relevant, you know, if we're acting according to what's happening in the world, in society, and, and things that they'll care about, um, it will be a fair trade for their attention. So it, it's it's intentionally um, a, a kind of a light framework because I, I think where the magic happens is the individual and their creative expression. So we don't try to over over prescribe creativity. We just try to point them in the right direction of hey, look, let's do things that people have never seen before. Let's make sure it's relevant. And then hopefully the answer to that equation will be a fair exchange for their attention. Yeah, talking of relevance, I think personally anyway, I think relevance a lot of the time means being reactive to whatever's happening in the world and, and staying relevant. And I think we may have seen in the past, you know, brands wanting guidance through the chaos of social. And this often results in you know, strategic playbooks, guidelines for absolutely everything, tone of voice, and, and quite a rigid approach, right? So I think that sometimes limits the amount of freedom they give themselves. So to stay agile and creative, is there a danger in creating these strategic playbooks? And if so, if that's not the approach, what approach should brands take instead of that? You know, I, I think strategy and, and playbooks are um, hugely important because obviously they keep you focused on business goals and, and keep you going in, in the right direction. Um, I, I think we approach them in, in two different ways at TikTok, um, long-term and, and short-term. Um, but I, I think the way that you execute and, and maintain these playbooks is, is really important, which I'll, which I'll try and explain. So I, I think gone are the days where you can have an annual strategy and you, know, you walk away and then you revisit revisit it in, in the next year. I think it's great to have an annual strategy and understand where you want to be in, in 12 months time, but so many things can change along the way. Uh, and, and generally, I think there's three dimensions. There's your customer dimension. So, you know, on the course of this journey to, to that 12 month, what feedback are you receiving? Is it good or is it bad? Uh, do you need to change um, your direction accordingly? Um, what's happening with the brand or what's happening with the business? Are there new opportunities or new challenges that you need to pivot and respect um, um, in, in the kind of overarching strategy? And, and then especially for us in, in social media, what's happening um, on the landscape? So is there a new format? Is there a new platform? Uh, you know, TikTok is, is fairly new to the scene, same for Discord. So again, I think annual strategies are important to keep you on track, but pit stops and maintenance along the way is, is what will help keep you um, hyper relevant. And, and then quickly, just on the short term, again, kind of similar to that uh, equation I mentioned earlier, I, I think, again, having a loose framework pointing in the right direction is definitely the way to go. But if you over-prescribe, you'll, you'll take people down the path of 1x thinking. So freedom in a framework, which allows 10x thinking, and again, allows you to be agile, nimble, the individual to express themselves but still going in the right direction i really like that pit stop analogy i think obviously everyone can relate to that I and mean, you know going through the year and like i say in terms of being reactive they'll always be required um i've not really heard of that analogy before i think oh, that's that's something that everyone can get on board with definitely it makes sense i mean there's no point picturing um you know planning out months and months and months and not accounting for like about a million and a half things to change because i think 
Dan, we probably have a similar situation in our line of work when we're having to move when the social landscape moves. It's happening literally every single day. So it'd be it'd be daft yeah. to be too fixed in our plans. Exactly. We've talked a little bit about you know, trading these more traditional objectives um, for more principle-based objectives, so things like relevance and, you know, cultural uh, creativity. But in your experience, Dan, what have you seen the impact um, on your content being when you start working with more values in mind uh, rather than, you know, measuring your various KPIs, CPMs, what have you? I, I think it's, it's again, it's a, a really thought-provoking question I, and it kind of goes back to one of my answers about you know what is a fair exchange for for attention you know what is something that you're doing which you you really believe is worth that person or that customer or that audience's time so i it, it's less of an answer but more if we could all spend more time really thinking about what will our customer really really care about and what will really really move them i, I guarantee the work and the results will follow so less objectives, less KPIs, but more about how can we serve that need? How can we answer that customer's unique world and circumstance uh, and then build around it? No, I couldn't agree more. I, I've said it a million times on this podcast and I'll say it again, but we call it serving content for a reason, right? Because it's not for you. <laughs> You're literally <laughs> giving it to somebody else. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. We've got some really amazing content there uh, that I hope lots of people will find very useful. Thank you very much. Well, there we have it. What an intriguing chat with Daniel there. And I think the main thing, especially for Eve, is we've put the need for jargon to bed. Yes, we, it's unnecessary. <laughs> I think he put it best. You know, you're only complicating the message. And uh, it's bad enough when you see it being communicated to audiences. But when you're actually, you know, speaking that way to each other, to your colleagues and teammates, all you're doing is creating that confusion from the output to the point where it won't be your audience who doesn't know what's going on, but the people making the work actually won't know what's going on yeah it's no need. it's a smoke screen i think and i think you raised that and daniel raised it as well i think the majority of people have, have learned these words out of necessity like he said but i've continued to use them to hide the fact that they don't really know what they're talking about at times yeah. um a man who did know what they were talking about einstein we even got an einstein quote yeah, in there <laughs> which was great uh, we had some creativity formulas there was all sorts in there i really enjoyed that chat and as i mentioned i think the pit stop analogy was great as well and we talked about the strategic playbooks so yeah some really really interesting stuff in there and if you are looking for tiktok content inspiration do you take a look at tiktok's tiktok as we were saying because like daniel said his mission is to be the best marketing team on tiktok which i think is giving himself some quite stiff competition there because there are a lot of brands knocking it out of the park on tiktok and you know i don't envy that uh, sort of always having to be the best or that pressure must be quite intense but you know they're taking it in their stride yeah, like I touched on though, if if you're the platform, a lot of people would expect that you are the best in class and fair play for taking it upon them because like you say, it is a, a huge, huge task like you say because obviously a lot of people are producing some amazing stuff on TikTok at the moment. Absolutely. And if you enjoyed that episode with Daniel, then please don't forget to leave us a review and make sure you tune in next week.